walking, it is like she's walking, like she's walking. Hey, everyone. Yeah. We are Like Trees Walking. I am Michael J. Nelson. I'm David Berge. This is a podcast. Uh, it's a podcast where I have more. I'm, I'm closing in. That was the 10,000 foot view. I'm going. Zoom. I'm zoom in. It's a podcast where we talk about the important things of life, uh, death, meaning, uh, religion, ethics, morals, uh, tribalism. Uh, Quandaries. Functionalism, uh, determinism, uh, materialism, brutalism, uh, turtles all the way down. We'll talk about it all, the important things. We do it from a Christian perspective. I would say a reform Christian perspective, if you want to go, if you know what that means or you want to look it up. Uh, An orthodox, broadly speaking, confessional Protestant. Yes. Uh, So hopefully we've zoomed in enough. and, And but, but, there's a big but. We, we talk about big issues. Were you just doing? That was a good Christopher Walken. Yeah, but is that what you were doing? Because <laughs> normally you don't do good impressions, except for your roommate. Your roommate is spot on. Uh, <laughs> that's my impression. Um, uh. Didn't we? We tested you on impressions once, right? Yeah, I, I did. Did like, I ever do my Robin Leach? Yes, you did. That was good. You did your Robin Leach. There is a, a listener who we both know who. Uh, was disturbed by he that. was very disturbed by that he's <laughs> like i don't even understand how that was supposed to be him i do i do a mean impression you do a mean impression it is very cruel to all of us to have to listen to it um anyway where was i oh so yeah we talk about the big issues yes. of life but and and we're not just talking to the people who agree with us we hope that you will engage in the conversation as they call it. That's a nice soft word for today. I hope we can have a conversation about this. But but no, that, that you would listen and, and in some way, hopefully we're all trying to wrestle with the same facts. So let's see what kind of conclusions we can come to on this stuff. And today is no exception. However, all of that said, I know I've been ch- yammering on here, but it's important because today... We're back. We have a new. We have a department that back, is being baby. revisited, and that is the pastor is going to eat some tinned fish today Something on disgusting. the air. One of the most counterintuitive things you can ever do on a podcast is probably our most popular segment. Uh, so that's coming up later. But before that, we have to wade through some some heady stuff. And so, pastor, take it away with the heady stuff. Well, there's a theme running through these last two podcasts. Which, uh, but before I get to that. Uh, I will say, if you have not listened to us before, a very prescient podcast, um, the one about church architecture, defending church architecture. Oh my goodness, and I then, thought of that too. I forgot to mention that. And then yeah. the, the, the you know Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris burns, and this sort of response to that, I think, just basically proves my point. Yeah, there was an article about it. I, I think isn't it an argument in in stone and glass and, and stone, glass and stone, yes. and uh, the opening of one thing that I saw quoted that and talked about a person who became converted back in the, like the early 1900s mm-hmm. or something in I don't I think it was obviously it was in Notre Dame but uh, yeah he he became converted just looking around him so. I didn't know the specifics of it, but An I thought object. back to our podcast. That was pretty cool. Think about a, a faith that can produce, you know, a structure of such beauty. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. In and of itself is a is a uh, witness, um, is, is a witness. But anyway, so all that to say, um, all that to say, just to say it. But here we go. What we're talking about today, this is another one from the New York Times. 
Uh, this one came from our, our last one was from the New York Times. This one is from the opinion section, and this is just a, a article they have. It, the New York Times has this um, section. I don't know if it's from this, but it's called The Stone, and it's this occasional like philosophical um, space where they uh, they print. Uh, various, you know, philosophical perspectives. And so this one comes from a Dr. Peter Adderson, who is a, well, I don't know if he's a doctor, that's not in his title. He's a professor of philosophy, so I assume he has a, a PhD in philosophy. And so his argument here that he brings is is um, that the very, I- like, identity, the theistic god of Western philosophical tradition is, it's not just that, well, does this god exist or not, but the very idea of this God is incoherent, like a, a contradiction in terms. How so? <laughs> Do tell. Do tell. So he starts it now. I will say it's a bit ham handed the way it starts. Like, Mike, if you were going to make a joke up about how a kid would start a speech in like or start a presentation in class, like let's pretend this person. What? How would they start said presentation? They're giving a presentation about um uh, jellyfish how would they start yeah i'll i'll, I'll put it a, a step further i'll say what if you were writing a sitcom where someone was pressured into we need you to say a few words about blah 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 what wait what oh and then step up to the microphone and you would say webster's defines <laughs> webster's dictionary defines, defines god as <clears throat> uh, a being and so yeah that's what i would do and how does he start it if you look up God in a dictionary, oh, first, professor, no, that is like no, really, professor. really, really. I mean, look down at your fist. Do you see a ham? Because <laughs> that is that's what you're typing with right now. So it's not a promising start. I mean, you know that. Of course, it maybe has nothing to do with the argument itself or the statement itself. But that's a pretty like, yeah, that's, that's a pretty bad. I mean, let's just be honest. That's a bad way to start something. When you, uh, what is it? When you kill a king, you have to, you know, you, you better kill him on the first blow or whatever. You, you know, come like, at the king, you best not miss, as they say on the wire. Yeah. So he's coming at God, the God of the universe, and his first line out of the block is the second graders' book report. So, <laughs> so go ahead. Wikipedia defines God. <laughs> I mean, it almost been. <laughs> it could have almost been that, but anyway. So God, uh, uh, the the God of of he's basically appealing to this because this is the dictionary definition of God, which he takes as like the general uh, culturally accepted notion of who the deity is that we put under the name God. Sometimes known as the God of the philosophers. So interesting conversation as to what's the relationship between the God of the philosophers and the God of the Bible. But a being. So, Serene Jones, mm-hmm. she doesn't Sorry, believe Serene's in this. on the outside. She's of already. This one. Yeah, she's, she's like this has nothing I'm to do out. with me. Yep. I don't all. know what you're talking about. A being believed to be, so believed to be infinitely perfect, wise, and powerful creator and ruler of the universe. So, uh, uh, you know, basically like the sum of all perfections, omnipotent, um, omniscient. Uh, that's I got it right. Omnipresent, right? Those would be all the omnis that you would uh, classically right. perform. Yeah. Uh, right, yeah. that, that you would put to God, and within the you know Western Christian tradition, certainly um, this omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God and the God of Scripture have been equated with one another. I, I don't think there's any disputing that. Although I mean, there's been current, more recent trends in theology that have probably tried to parse those two apart. But we'll accept this that this is basically like the theistic God is basically the uh, God of mon, you know. Mono, the monotheistic face. So yeah, the uncaused cause. Mm-hmm. The un- yeah, the unmoved mover. Yep, there we go. So she wants he 
He wants to focus on a specific question. Does the idea of a morally perfect, all-powerful, all-knowing God make sense? Does it hold together logically? And so then he says, let's consider omnipotence first. Does, is this logically consistent? Saying uh, God cannot, God can create, can God create a stone that cannot be lifted? Right? Also, I go back to uh, the, the second grade book report. Isn't that, that's your first question about God. Uh, if, who well, created God? You know, I mean, that's yeah, like, like maybe that's even the more the first elementary. one, and yep. then the second one is, can he make a stone? If God is all-powerful, can create a stone that he himself cannot lift? Yes. No, if, if, if it's no, then God cannot be all-powerful if it's... Yeah, can he make a square circle? Exactly. That literal example gets used. And uh, and the way out of this dilemma is usually to argue, as St. Thomas Aquinas did, and St. Thomas, uh, with many of these things, if you go to the Summa and St. Thomas Aquinas, he has tackled m- many of the classical arguments of... Of, of theism, uh, basically philosophically, you just let's trace everything back to Aquinas. I guess all philosophy is what they call it footnotes on Plato. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, um, exactly. That I'm sure probably Plato even even dealt with this. But but Thomas himself is a wonderful uh, expositor of the classical tradition and a, and 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 a true uh, you know philosophical heavyweight himself. And so he says God can't do self contradictory things. That's that's stupid, you know. And I got I side with Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> In this one, this is not a very strong objection. Um, yeah, no, it's not a very strong objection at all because you you make up something that, yeah, is nonsensical and and ask him to make sense of it. Like he doesn't have to make sense of he doesn't have to make logical illogic. In other words, so all right, so that one out of the gate is kind of a non-starter. That's so that's been, an objection that's for tacked. omnipotence. The other objection, which would speak to omnipotence and also God's moral perfection, is that um, that there's too much evil in the world, too much moral evil. Um, and again, he doesn't spend much time on this. It's not a, um, uh, there's no slam dunk argument for this. You know, there's the free will defense that basically like uh, that, that in order for us to be free moral agents, we have to be able to choose good as well as evil. Um, and in order to be loving beings, we have to also have a free will. And so like the, uh, a universe with the possibility of evil is not contradictory with God being, um, all loving. Right. Or, and, and the other uh, argument that say that God would defeat evil, it's like, well, he, he will. So yeah. that's also, yes. you know, that takes away that objection. Like, yeah, that's, you know, it's happening. He will. And he did. And you know, that there's too much suffering in the, uh, in, in the animal world or surely God have, could have done less. I mean, you can say, man, that, why would God do this? Why would God allow it? It speaks, I guess, uh, for, you know, against the probability maybe of there being a God like the, the God of the theist. But again, it's not a, um, it's no like, it's no defeater or sort of like it's logically impossible. You could just say this seems from my perspective to be inconsistent with the claims that such a God that Christians claims exists, exists. Right. Whereas argument gets more novel is about God's infinite knowledge, God's omniscience, meaning that God is all knowing. God knows mm-hmm. everything that there is to know. And he says, this philosophically presents us with no less of a conundrum. Normally, I think when you're reading like arguments of God's against God's, existence the all-knowing piece is the one that gets like no one spends any time on that being like god couldn't be all-knowing and so i think this is where uh where dr adderson gets um gets at his most uh like most novel yeah um let's say and so uh leaving aside the highly implausible idea that god knows all the facts of the universe no matter how trivial or useless saint jerome thought it was beneath the dignity of god to concern himself with such base questions as how many fleas are born or die every moment <laughs> the That's... highly impl- i don't know if it's high- if god knows everything 
if God is this all-knowing being, why is that highly implausible? Well, he, he's, he's loading the thing right out of the gate, leaving aside the highly implausible. Oh, thank you for leaving that aside. Thank but you, I don't find it highly implausible, because when you're talking about a God with these other attributes, why is this one highly implausible? So go ahead. What's that movie where Jim Carrey is God? Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. Yeah. I'm not, this, this I'm not is sure like, I saw that. It's, it's not. I mean, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> It's family damning with faint praise. Family okay. friendly yeah. movie. I it's mean, it has fun. its moments. Sure, but like it, this to me is almost when like because uh, Bruce, you know, Jim Carrey, he becomes God, and he the prayers come to him as emails, and so he's got to you know he's like basically inundated with you know billions of emails every day, and he's like, how do I respond to all these prayer requests? And so then he uh, just auto sets his auto reply to yes, answer every prayer, and then ah, uh, you I know see. all all hell breaks loose sure. when he does that. But that's why I kind of think like the highly implausible ideas, he's almost like picturing God as like Bruce, Jim Carrey as Bruce Almighty, like all this stuff right. that's coming in and all these facts and how do I keep them all straight and remember them all? And, you know. Yeah. We, we know a person who, uh, who says about things that you do, this person's compliment is, boy, I couldn't do that. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I know because you're not in the field or whatever. <laughs> and this is this guy just projecting it on God. Like, well, I couldn't do it. So it seems implausible. I, I couldn't answer everything or know everything. So he, he leaves, he leaves, he graciously leaves that aside for us that God, you know, the highly, highly implausible thing that the idea that God would know yes. all the facts there are to know, like how many fleas or how many, you know, I don't know how many cells are in each and every human body or something like that. I mean, you know, and this is trivial. Knows the hairs on your head, perhaps. Uh, Sparrow falling from the sky. I I mean, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, Lilies of the field. Sure. That sort of thing, that implausible stuff. Uh, But he says, well, God, we can at least say that God knows as much as, you know, we know as much as human being knows. And he says, that would appear to attract from his perfection. Why? There are certain things that we know as if they were also known to God would automatically make him a sinner, which is a contradiction within the concept of God. And so uh, if God knows all that is knowable, he must know things we do, like lust or envy. But one cannot know lust or envy unless one has experienced them. But to have had feelings of lust and envy is to have sin, in which case God cannot be morally perfect. Uh, I don't know. At first blush, that seems weak. weak. It does seem I, weak. I don't... But why does it seem weak, Mike? Well, because, uh, first of all, Let's see. If you know that God must be knowing about something, doesn't mean you experience it automatically. No. So. So that it's it's sort of a semantic argument that you have to accept that in order to know something, you have to experience it in I, order to have a in order to have omniscient knowledge of it. I I don't think so. I mean, God never murdered anyone but he's aware of murder right mm-hmm. i mean i don't and he probably knows the impulses behind it and everything like that but i so yeah i on face value does that have a lot of uh, rhetorical strength for you no okay it doesn't i just and i mean to think the the you know problem of evil and pain and suffering that seems like that's the one that's much more rhetorically powerful i think intellectually powerful this one just seems very weak, like like almost sort of like a eh, eh, yeah, kind of like a gotcha. Like how can he know it without 
having experienced sin, and if he experienced it, makes him a sinner. But it just depends on sort of you accepting a definition of what constitutes a, a sort of a knowledge or a full knowledge or something like that, which is very, doesn't seem like it would... I, 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 don't, I don't buy that at all. Uh, hopefully his argument gets deeper than that, though. Is that just a strike number one? Is that just like, think about this while I get to the real meat of my argument? Or, uh, or is that it? Uh, what do you think? Uh, well, if God doesn't, a morally perfect being, so he's saying, well, if you must know, like, basically, in order, a lot hang, hinges on it, because he says, well, if you're saying that God uh, has to know what we know, he must know what it's like to say, like, torture someone for fun, for pleasure. And he's saying, well, if God doesn't know what it's like that, uh, he, he doesn't know what it's like to be human. In that case, he doesn't know what we know. But if God doesn't know what we know, God is not all-knowing, and the concept of God is contradictory. God cannot be both omniscient and morally perfect. Hence, God could not exist. And then there's a wonderful parenthetical. I shall here ignore the argument that God knows what it's like to be human through Christ, because the doctrine of the Incarnation presents us with its own formidable difficulties. Was Christ really and fully human? Did he have sinful desires that he was required to overcome when tempted by the devil? Can God die? End of that. End of that little parenthetical. Which that also that seems to be a very sort of critical omission when we're talking about at least from a like the yeah. Christian definition of God includes God becoming flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, which Look, would I'm bring gonna, a lot to I'm going to argue your Christianity. I'm going to slam dunk it, but I'm going to throw out that whole thing about Jesus Christ, uh, and then I'm going to take on this for that is I think a uh, a straw man uh, argument. Something that Christianity is not, and then arguing against it. So, but here's another thing I want to point out. He quotes uh, Schopenhauer, who I have not read. I assume you had to. Have I read Schopenhauer? No, I just know he was quite the pessimist. He was. Oh, Schopenhauer. I don't know. But he says something interesting here. No animal ever torments another for the mere purpose of tormenting, but man does it. I would say, how do you know that? Do you, are you omniscient? Are you able to get inside the mind? One can speculate that animals don't do it, but I would say, how do we, we don't know that? We don't. We don't. We know. Certainly, anyone who has seen a cat with a mouse, oh yeah, or a, with it. a dog, my dog, with a rabbit whom he had picked all the fur off of, who was a like one of those you know bodies exhibit thing. It was just oh, yeah. muscle, and it was still alive. And my oh, dog really? was tossing oh, it about. Gosh. Anybody who's seen that would wonder about that. Um, there didn't seem to be a purpose for it, but anyway, I'm just, it's just a thing to, you know, to say that flat out as a statement seems, uh, to need, you know, more, uh, substance to it mm -hmm. anyway. And I think to say, to bracket out the incarnation in a philosoph in a Christian philosophical understanding of God is like, you can't do that. No, no. Because that's part and parcel of our of our definition of God. But he does close, he says, it's logical inconsistencies like these that led the 17th century French theologian, uh, Blaise Pascal, and he was a mathematician, he was a polymath, he was just yeah. a, absolutely one of the most brilliant people who ever lived. Uh, uh, Pascal's Triangle. Most of us, that's how we sort of know Blaise Pascal is because we had to learn Pascal's Triangle. Which coming up with Pascal's Triangle, I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's no small thing. And he wrote this, uh, he has this collection that they found, I think it was after his died, his pensées, which are just these mm -hmm. little aphorisms that he came up with. And uh, you can find them online. They're, they're quite delightful. Uh, but he, uh, it was said when Pascal died, his servant found sewn into his jacket the words, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and scholars. Evidently, Pascal considered there was more wisdom, in quotes, 
in biblical revelation than in any philosophical demonstration of God's existence and nature, or plain lack thereof. Hmm. I'm with <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm with Blaze in the sense of um, that ultimately, like we don't believe in and worship God um, because of some philosophical argument um, or just pure realm of ideas things. That there's the there's the experiential thing, and there's also the sort of like narrative. There's this there is the biblical narrative is compelling, and the gospel is compelling because it's good news. It's like a great story that draws you in, and through drawing you in, it transforms you and also makes you a participant in it. And that's also what gives it a ton of purchase. Um, yeah, yeah. That I mean, some things follow the other. Like philosophy and everything is useful because it's a tool to discover the actual truth of the universe. So when a Christian makes the claim, I believe that all of this is true, and then uses either science or philosophy to sort of explore what that means, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, boots on the ground. Why is that? You can't just say, oh, you don't believe it philosophically. Well, you're just choosing one of the tools or disciplines with which we discover truth. So you, so what, you know, so what if I place more weight on one of the other tools or I have more affection for my, you know, an emotional response to God? That doesn't mean I don't have the other components mm-hmm. and they don't exist and aren't a robust part of my belief in God. But to say, oh, you don't believe it in this way, that's <laughs> unfair. This is, and this is just not, it's where it is novel, which I would say is the knowledge thing, which I think he, he said he got from a, a philosopher a philosopher named, uh, was it Michael, uh, Michael Martin? Um, so picking up on that, it, where it is at, at its most novel, it is also at its least sort of like convincing or rhetorically, uh, rhetorically powerful. It's sort of like, oh, so what? Like, you can't know, no, you're pinning, pinning a lot on this, this concept of, of knowledge. And it, again, this isn't going to convince anyone no. of anything. No. Uh, but it's better than, I have to say, it's better than. What was that one we read from the one thing? Remember that website? Oh, I don't know. Remember? And it had the picture like with the person riding a bike. Oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I what forget was that one. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, oh. But this is also maybe slightly more coherent than Serene Jones. I think so. it's better. Than, I think this is way better than Serene Jones. This is a little meatier than that. Much more. Like, uh, he's at least making an argument. Yeah. You know? And, and you know, you could say, well, the conclusion doesn't follow from your premises. Or, like, there's a problem within how you're defining terms within, within your premises that's leading you to this conclusion. But there is at least, um, there's at least evidence of a thinking mind <laughs> behind yeah. it that's trying to lay out an argument and have things cohere together. So I thank you for that, Dr. Adderson. Um, I do appreciate that. Um, and, and he probably doesn't think, well, this is going to make a bunch of people atheists. He's just like, from my perspective, the way I see things, it's the, these things are logically incoherent. I would also say I noted that he's at uh, San Diego State University. Yeah. Now, I, I lived in San Diego for a, a number of years, and uh, I would say... Yeah, this is about the top of what a person from San Diego can do. (laughs) Wow. Go Aztec. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, San Diegans. You're just, they're out in the sun. They don't really dive into philosophy. Yeah, God, I don't know. How could he believe it if he didn't? Whatever. Here's my, here's my white paper. So I think he's out uh, surfing right now. He's oh, not, I hope he's so. not thinking about this podcast. He's or he's going to La Jolla, you know, he is. and like he's watching the seals. He's yeah, <laughs> he's fine. He's got flip flops <laughs> on. And... Anyway, thank you, Professor. Um, 
Let's take a little break. All right. We'll get back uh, <sighs> 10 fish time. I've all been, um, my mind has been distracted through this whole <laughs> segment through what's going to happen next. A 10 fish is proof that God loves us and wants a, us a, to be happy. Could a morally perfect God n- and an all-knowing God know the nasty taste of it's, 10 fish? I think fish. you're going to love it. I think you're going to love it. Okay. Uh, we'll take a little break. We'll be right back. This is Like Trees Walking. Hey, all you cool customers out there. Thank you for listening to Like Trees Walking, the podcast where we bring you only the freshest and most insightful insights. Oh, boy, I really mucked that one up. The most insightful insights. All right, all right. We, 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 we try to do a good job, folks. Listen, it's an amateur production here, but uh, but but we're, we're giving our best shot. So if you're so moved, uh, could you please rate us? Could you review us? Could you boost us in some way on Apple Podcasts? Could you share us with a friend? Could you share us with an enemy, an aunt, an uncle, I don't know, a neighbor, whatever, to say, I found this thing, you might find it interesting. We'd appreciate that. We don't ask for much, and we don't charge you anything uh, for this <laughs> wonderful service. And you got, guess what else? You can find us on the socials. Uh, you can buy purses from at Michael J. Nelson or handbags. Uh, Mike is a little extra money on the side for him. Uh, you can follow me at David underscore Berge, although I'm trying to stay off that hellscape, that hell site, so uh, I won't. I won't be there. Uh, occasionally, though, if you at LTW Pod, that's the best way to get a hold of us or uh, the Like Trees Walking Facebook page. So, thank you, everyone, for your support, for listening, for your encouragement. Uh, 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 we, we, you're fans of us. Guess what? We're fans of you. Now, let's get. Uh, I can't get over the fact that in a couple minutes, I'm going to be eating some horrible fish. And we're back. Pastor, you seemed a little rattled during yeah, that uh, appeal. Is there something on your mind? Well, there's something on my plate now, too. Yes. I'm, yes. I'm smelling it. The feature is back. It's the, the del- delicious aroma has already permeated uh, one like trees walking tower here in Studio A, our big studio. Yep. Um, what's going on in the other studio today? I wonder which podcast they're doing there. Uh, I'm trying to create a fiction around us, and I, my world building has gone wrong. 372 pages could be going on in the other, <laughs> the other room, Connor's. Some dark web materials being found. Yes. Could be. Anyway, so this feature is back. I'm so excited. We have a tin fish product for the pastor to review, and uh, I want your thoughts. Um, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, this is a, uh, a Russian... Well, actually, more technically, this is a. I think it's Latvian, ah, yeah. a Latvian sprat, which is a. You know, it's like a. Her- it's a herring type fish, but this is smoked and tinned in oil. Mm. Uh, the tail is on. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are tiny. Do you eat fish. the tail? Oh, of course, the okay. tail is delicious. If you put them in the broiler, the <sighs> tail crisps up. Ooh, Pastor mm. just made a face that. It's very fishy smelling, folks. It is. Yes. Picture a fish like. Or don't picture. Imagine a, a fishy smell. Yeah. And so times ten. So your mouth is watering. Yes. It, from you know, like before you vomit, it's like starting oh, to Oh now suck. come on now. Now you're you're <laughs> look, you're tainting this experience already. So oh, here God. we go. Oh, Pastor gosh. is going into a sprat. It's about a three inches long. It's a yeah. tiny little fish. It's deliciously God, it so sort fishy. of browned oh, and um it smells like fish jerky. Just yes, exactly. That's a, a beautiful thing. So he's not, um, he's not going to eat into pepper. the mic, but he is there's going pepper. to. 
Yes, it has been tempered with pepper. He took the smallest bite any human has ever taken of a fish that weighs about a gram. So I don't know what that was about. But, uh, Pastor, your initial thoughts on the... This would be a sprat in oil, a smoked sprat in oil from Latvia. <laughs> His face is not betraying pleasure. I can't... Uh, it's just can't. like the texture is not good. The texture is of fish. Yeah, that's not a great texture. What? So all... No, fish that taste better. <laughs> and what are the fish that you like? Um, I like halibut. Okay. Um, What's that like? Is that just a white fish? It's just a white fish. Okay. Yeah. So just a bland no, fish. No, no. Just fish. Delicious white <laughs> fish. All right. You uh, Shark. Is that a fish? You don't eat shark. I've had shark before. Have you? Yeah. In South Africa, I had shark. Delicious shark. Is it good? Do you oh. eat that Icelandic pea shark? You know, the one where they ferment it in its own... No, heck no. They hang it up and it rots in its own gross skin. And it smells like urine. It's got all Thanks, covered Mike. in uric Thank acid. For, and, Thank you for... Yeah. Who eats that? Speaking Icelandic of, Connor uh, went to Iceland. Uh, Connor's a co-host and producer. Rift Tracks, my, my other endeavor. And Connor went to Iceland and he brought me... He bought a, a, a package of that yes. Icelandic green fish mm-hmm. that's cured in its own urine. And uh, he put it in the back of his hatchback and they drove across the continent and he, he went, what in the name of God is that smell? And they realized it was the seal, double-sealed package of shark, so they had to throw it out in a garbage can. <laughs> so I didn't get my shark. We would have been eating it on air. That's terrible. So we had to throw it out, yeah. Anyway, so the review I is it. strongly negative. You ate two tiny fish, mm-hmm. maybe seven grams of fish total. Uh, and your review, you review it while I... Uh, uh, snack on my horrible delicious texture, sprats. horrible fishy taste, and it would have been better mm. if there was more things to slather on it. Maybe that would have helped. Oh, it's so good on its own. No, it's so smoky. It's like the bacon of of uh, of herring. A super fishy, very poorly flaky, nasty, dry, flaky textured mm. bacon. I would say it is so good. Mike's wow. just eating them whole, just 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 down his gullet. <laughs> Just because you call it my gullet, that does not reflect poorly <laughs> on the fish itself. Mm, delicious. All right. Oh, go. So that's a swing and a miss Ugh. for you? It's just so fishy. So you would not voluntarily ever eat Never. one of these? No. If I were in Latvia and I had a wonderful host family serving what, me, I'd what, politely eat. What condiment could entice you to eat one? Voluntarily, is there a con? In other words, is there a condiment? Is there some sort of hot sauce? Well, sure, there's hot sauce, but I'm saying, what would, yeah, what would hot sauce? I think something to just totally like eliminate, but overpower the flavor. Okay, so there's nothing that you would, there's nothing positive about this experience at all. Um, I, I'm in alive. other words, if I'm you could mask still. one element of it, you'd like the other element, but there's no element of it. <sighs> I'm gonna say no, okay. <laughs> Is there, have we, I can't remember, have we eaten anything together that you have liked? Any tinned fish? No. Not even the, the octopus, which... Which was bad. What? Most people love the octopus when I give them. Most How about people. the squid in ink sauce? That was good. With the cheese, remember that? From Japan. Oh, that one, we didn't eat that. Oh, yeah, Wasn't it was that expired. Expi- <laughs> that was expired. We ate the other thing, the, uh, the fish hot dog. Just seen what happened. Oh, those, those fish, fish hot, hot dogs, dogs were great. 
Those were so cheese and those fish. Those were so bad. Those are so delicious. Uh-huh. I ate those the next two days. It's just my meal. They were so good. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, believe it or not, there are more substantive things on this show. This is uh, like trees walking. Anything to add about our our first segment and the professor from SDSU? Was it San Diego? Yes, San Diego State. SDSU. Go yeah, Aztecs. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Uh, Peter Atterton is his name, mm-hmm. and uh, anything to wrap up on that about? Or are you still just sort of trying to digest fish? <sighs> it's fish. Okay. It's nothing much. You know, let's just say there's not much to. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, we'll be back soon. I will someday. I'm going to choose a food that Pastor will like. That day has not yet come, but we'll keep swinging at it. You'll keep trying to disgust me. This is like trees walking. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again with you soon. Mm-hmm.